to the Carolina Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Turner, and finally got a special guest in the building with me today. Good family friend of mine. Grew up playing soccer with him, known him forever, went to high school with him. Um, Mead Baskerville over here, diehard Virginia Tech fan, uh, former season ticket holder up in up in Blattsburg at Lane Stadium for, what, 10-plus years or something like that. So, Mead, uh, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, it's a great day. I can't wait to talk some football with you. Yeah, so Mead, like I said, diehard Virginia Tech fan, was actually at the game with me this past Saturday, obviously talking about the Virginia Tech loss for the Tar Heels. VT coming out on top, 22-19. And this podcast, obviously, like you can tell from the title, we're just going to focus on that Virginia Tech game, a really, really special night in Keenan Stadium, uh, besides the result, really. But, me, let's go straight into it. That's what I like to do on these podcasts. Let's just jump straight into the topic. And um, a good night in Keenan Stadium. I, I, as a VT fan, a guy that's been to Lane Stadium many times, uh, special atmosphere up there as always, but can you talk to me a little bit about what you saw at Keenan Stadium in terms of the atmosphere? I know you mentioned earlier off the off record that the the student section was, was really good that night for the Tar Heels. So just give me a little bit of a, a recap on on how you felt the atmosphere was, you know, coming from a, a Virginia Tech fan perspective. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it looked great from from the top deck. Your season tickets are great. The student section was was bumping. Um, Tar Heel Nation was definitely loud and proud that night. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that was the best atmosphere we've had all season by far. It's probably the best atmosphere we've had in a few seasons, maybe going back to 2015. It kind of reminded me of Zero Dark Thirty a few years ago, the game. You were actually at that game with me, too, when we played, uh, I believe it was Miami or Georgia Tech. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. And that was a really, really special atmosphere. But Obviously, a good night at Keenan Stadium. In the last podcast we had, the preview for the Virginia Tech game, I was kind of went on a little rant at the end talking about um, how I didn't really expect many fans to show up, but I'm glad I was proven wrong. And if we can continue to pack that stadium, it's going to be a, a formidable place for opponents to come. But, me, let's focus on the game. Uh, first and foremost, obviously, BT taking that 98-yard drive at the end of the game and, and scoring off a one-yard touchdown pass to – Pretty much a walk-off touchdown for you guys. Um, how did you feel like your Virginia Tech boys played? I know we've talked about it a little bit before, and you were kind of disappointed, especially after the game. You weren't happy like a lot of Virginia Tech fans. You were a little bit disappointed in how your team played. Uh, what was your overall thoughts on on how your Hokies performed on Saturday night? Yeah, it was – don't get me wrong. It was a win. It was a tough, grinded-out win. But um, just being a Tech fan for so long um, – you know, it was it was not a pretty win by any means. It would have been a pretty win for UNC. The crowd was loud. You guys had like 500 total yards. Mm-hmm. Um, we be- struggled on offense. We stalled so many times except in the fourth quarter for that 98-yard drive. Just coming off the emotions of the game, I, uh, I was not proud at all. I was proud we got the win, but it was it did not look promising is, is my big thing. We did not show out the way we should have. Um, but our defense hung in there. Um, we made a lot of uh, touchdown-saving tackles, and our red zone defense was was pretty quality. I'll, I'll give them that. Um, but our offense was just – Fuente's offense was not good that night. Yeah, obviously a few games ago against ODU, that big loss for y'all, uh, we're not going to touch on that. But Josh Jackson breaking his leg in that game and, and, not, and pretty much not being available for the rest of the season. Ryan Willis has stepped in and has done a good job, struggled a little bit against Notre Dame the week weekend before but I mean who doesn't going to struggle against Notre Dame that's a top five team 
What were your thoughts on how Ryan Willis played in a, in a pretty hostile environment, probably one of the most hostile environments he's played in, if not the most hostile environment he's played in as a Hokie? How do you think he, he fared? I know you were a little bit disappointed, obviously, with the whole team's performance, but I know during the game you were getting a little bit frustrated with Willis because it seemed like he just wasn't making the passes that you would expect him to. But like I said, in the end, you know, came out with the win anyway. So what were your, were your kind of final thoughts on Ryan Willis and how he played? He definitely looked a lot better than the Notre Dame game. Um, obviously, he did throw for like 55 passes um, in the Notre Dame game, but he was trying to be Superman, as Fu- Coach Fuente said. He was trying to be Superman and make the impossible play, um, and I did like that. It, he was trying to he was trying to extend the play, but it, he did a little too much. Um, in this game, it didn't seem like he was making the routine play enough. I mean, there were many chances where. We had uh, timing routes, and we just did not connect. Uh, credit to your secondary, though, because for throwing those off. But he just didn't look sharp until the 98-yard drive. Yeah, I agree. I think looking back at it, Ryan Willis had a, had a decent game. He didn't, like you said, he didn't really play great by any means. I thought I agree with what Coach Fuente said, where he was just trying to be Superman and do a little bit too much back there and trying to make things happen. I guess you kind of like to see that from a quarterback, and in some ways not over, you know, not trying to make too many things happen, but – you can obviously tell Willis isn't scared to to take chances and take risk, and also had a couple picks in that game. Looking at his stat line, um, ended up twenty for thirty six, two hundred and twenty one yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. One of those interceptions did come off the chest of one of your receivers. Patrice Renee made a great diving catch in there to to get that interception. So can't really blame that one on him. But the second one, with which J.K. Britt picked off for the Tar Heels, was definitely overthrown and. If Willis, Willis puts that one on the money, that's probably a touchdown. Or you guys are at least within the you know five yards of scoring one. So overall, I, I agree with what you said. I mean, I think Willis looked good. He didn't look great, but in the end, he he led your team on that big ninety-eight yard drive to to come out on top. So can't really blame him too much for his performance. But let's look at the game overall, Mead. I wanted to get your thoughts on how Carolina played real quick. Obviously, Carolina, in my opinion, and I think most fans that are listening to this would agree, played their best game and I guess you could say their most complete game of the season against y'all and unfortunately only scored 19 points win the red zone I believe seven eight nine times and you know came out with not enough of it kicked a lot of field goals ended up missing a couple field goals as well what were your thoughts on first offensively how Carolina played and give me your thoughts on Cade Fortin because I know going into the game you were pretty excited to see the true freshman play yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I told you right before the game that this was going to be a great uh, matchup game, and it, it definitely proved. I mean, y'all, we have a great rushing defense, and y'all rushed for like 200 yards against us. Uh, my real concern was the secondary, and y'all exploited that. Y'all were just one play away from putting the W in your pocket. It was it was very close for y'all. Um, but that just shows that it, this was a promising game for you guys going forward. And if you guys play like that against next uh, next weekend against Syracuse, I think you guys would do pretty well. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that, Mita. Looking back, I know there's a lot of frustrated Carolina fans coming out of the Virginia Tech game. Obviously, you know one of the biggest themes for Carolina, you know, really over the past 20 years or so, has been Carolina's just so prone to letting up those game-winning drives late in the game. I remember my dad. I'm, you'll probably remember it too. When Carolina scored, or when, excuse me, when Michael Carter fumbled on the goal line, uh, I know all the fans in the stadium, um, the, the life was just kind of sucked out of him. My dad was, you know, he pretty much said to me, Virginia Tech's going to march right down this field and score and, and win this game. And that's what happened in the long run. So 
Carolina fans, we've seen it for a long time, but I totally agree with what you said about if this team can continue to play like that, they're going to have a great chance of winning some games this year. And you never know, a few seasons ago, actually, this team started off, you know, one and four, one and five, and ended up winning out and going to a bowl game. So this Carolina team under Coach Fedora, they're not far away. Larry Fedora said that in his press conference after the game. He's really harped on that. If Carolina can just make a few more plays, they're going to have a great chance of winning some games this season. And I think, personally, if they can continue to play like that, they're going to, they will win games, and I think they'll have a really good shot at, at beating Syracuse this weekend. But let's talk about the, the, the defensive side of the game for Virginia Tech. Obviously, Virginia Tech, a great run-stop team. I know we were watching the Notre Dame game a couple weeks ago, and that secondary just made a ton of mistakes. I thought they looked a little bit better against Carolina, but overall, what was your impressions on how you guys played defensively? I mean, you only let up 19 points, but Carolina made a lot of trips to the red zone, and credit to your red zone defense because when Carolina got there, Y'all made some good plays and, and kept us out of the end zone. Yeah, uh, I truly, if you want my honest opinion, uh, I thought our defense played horribly. Um, Bud Foster, after the game, said he didn't care about the total yards. He only cared about the score at the end. But, I mean, y- you got to look at it from the grand scheme of things. Like, we got run all over. It was it was pretty ridiculous. Um, 17, our strong safety, uh, Divine Diablo, he could not – cover Daz Newsom. Every time they were matched up together, Daz Newsom had at least 10 yards of separation from him. It was, I mean, if I was Cade Fortin or Nathan Elliott, I would have thrown it that way every time if I had the opportunity. He was just wide open. It was unbelievable. Um, but overall, our defense, one thing that I will give him credit for is not stopping on a, a catastrophic play. I mean, we had, what, four touchdown-saving tackles? Um, so I do have to give him credit there for not stopping, and they Obviously, because of those touchdown-saving tackles, they did not give up. Um, and they fought all the way to the end, and that helped us get the get the win. But it was not it was not pretty. It was not your textbook defensive Bud Foster show out. You know? Why do you think – we've talked about this all-fair a little bit, but give us your opinions on what's the main reason you think your secondary is struggling so much this year? Do you think it's inexperience and lack of talent, a little bit of both? Or is it just the fact that you guys are so young back there that once these players, you know – in a couple of seasons, get some experience under the belt, you guys will be back to having a really elite secondary because you know Virginia Tech usually, as a defense under Bud Foster, has a really solid secondary. Some great NFL players have come out of out of out of Virginia Tech. So, why do you think VT has struggled so much in the secondary this year? Uh, I think it absolutely has to do with our youth, hundred uh, percent, um, and also the fact that how we play, like our our defensive scheme. I mean, we don't help our cornerbacks at all. So when you have a rat will against a freshman on the outside, you know, it's they're on an island and it's a 50-50 ball every time and we're just getting unlucky. Um, Caleb Farley did have a few good pass breakups, but um, other than that, I think it's just tough for these young corners to get used to being left on an island um, out there because there's literally no help for them. It's straight man-to-man. We don't really play any zone. So it's just it's kind of tough. There's a steep learning curve, that's for sure, and we've definitely seen it. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And, you know, switching back real quick to the offensive side of the ball for the Hokies, I know Damon Hazleton, your best receiver this season. One interesting stat I saw after the game, um, he obviously ended up with only two receptions and 36 yards, no touchdowns. And that was his first game all season that he didn't have a touchdown. And I know going into that game, I was really, really worried about him and how he was going to expose our secondary. But like I've said on Twitter a lot, I gave Patrice Renee the defensive player of the game 
for the Tar Heels. He did a really good job on Damon Hazleton, in my opinion. And Hazleton's a really good wide receiver. We've watched him a lot this season. I know against Notre Dame, I think it seemed like at least Ryan Willis, every pass he threw was to Damon Hazleton. He was pretty much wide open every time as well, though. So what are your thoughts on how your receiving core played, more specifically focusing on Hazleton? Like I said, I thought Renee did a really good job. But why do you think he, you know, struggled a little bit and wasn't able to kind of create those separation and, and, and get those receiving yards and get a touchdown like he usually does? Do you think it was more of our coverage or were you just not impressed with how Willis threw the ball and how Hazleton ran his routes? Because it didn't really seem like he was getting open too much. Yeah, I think it was a combination of things, um, truly. I think you're... Your defensive line did a great job getting the quarterback. You guys had like four sacks, so I'm sure that was probably lurking in the back of Ryan Willis's mind, um, the fact that he was going to get sacked. Um, but also, I mean, your secondary was healthy for the first time this year, um, and it definitely showed. Damon Hazleton, he, he tried to get open. He did suffer from some drops. That's a, that's a definite fact there. Um but I, I really couldn't tell you. I think you guys threw off our timing. Um, we're a very timing-driven offense. Like, we have our routine plays and then normally, like, comeback throws and stuff like back shoulder throws to the outside and stuff like that. But you guys also really shut up the run. That was, uh, that was really impressive. You know, that has an effect on the passing offense for sure because we can't play action, you guys, or anything like that. So I think it was a combination of things. It was just good defense by, by UNC. Yeah, if you had to give an, an overall grade real quick on, you know, one out of ten, you know, one being the worst and ten being the best, obviously, how what grade would you give Virginia Tech as an overall, you know, a couple of days after the game, emotions died down, looking back at how y'all played, how would you give Virginia Tech, what rating would you give them overall on how they performed uh, this past Saturday at Keenan Stadium? My immediate thought right after the emotions of the game was probably like a four. Honestly, it was really low. But now, after the emotions and everything, um, that game-winning drive really bumps their score up in my mind. Um, I'd bump it up to like maybe a 7 just because that game-ending drive there, that 98-yard drive. But if you take that out, it was super low. I mean, our offense stalled. We had a great touchdown in the first drive. Ryan Willis had like a 40-yard run. But other than that, it was just stall after stall after stall. It was not a good look by Fuente and Co. And I've heard from uh, some Carolina fans, some Carolina commentators, guys that, you know, cover Carolina for a living, that that's a drive that Virginia Tech fans and the Virginia Tech program are going to remember for for a long, long time. Do you agree with that? Because when I first heard it, I thought, well, if you're a, you know, a level-headed fan like you, Mead, I could see why you'd be frustrated coming out of that game um, with how your team played, especially you know, a few weeks ago, how you guys went down to Duke and completely dominated them, and, and Duke's a better team than North Carolina this year, and that's just a fact of life, and I know they. most people have said that, hey, this is a drive that Virginia Tech had to have, and they did it, and because of that, this is a drive that, uh, a sequence of plays that your fan base is going to remember for a long time. Do you agree with that, or is that something you disagree with? Because I know you were obviously still a little bit frustrated with how your team played. Uh, no, I agree with that. I think... Uh people will definitely remember it. it. I mean, it was a 98-yard drive that sucked up like seven minutes o'clock and with a walk-off touchdown at the end. It was definitely exciting against one of our biggest recruiting rivals um, because we've started to come down here in North Carolina. So I think it'll definitely be remembered, um, but the game itself should be remembered too. Like, we put ourselves in that position to 
have a 98-yard drive. It was a heck of a defensive stand at the goal line. But also, you know, the fact of the matter is we only had like 350 yards of total offense, and we we just didn't look sharp except for that 98-yard drive. You take that out or, you know, Ryan Willis doesn't make that nine-yard fourth down run uh, to extend that drive, and, you know, the game's over. And, you know, th- there goes that game. That, that game will be buried in Virginia Tech fans' minds. Yeah, and one thing I've always kind of – I don't know if this is true or not. I know Fuente came out – well, one of his players came out last year and said that, you know, Fuente's not a big fan of Carolina's, you know, out of any team in the ACC. That's the team he dislikes the most. Obviously, Fuente wasn't happy that that was said. But I know watching the celebrations after the game, I don't know if you saw the video, but Fuente was excited about winning that game when y'all scored that drive. And when that game finally ended, he was celebrating with coaches and and with players, that was one of the most animated I've ever seen him because Fuente's a pretty stoic guy, a pretty serious guy. You don't see a lot of emotion out of him unless he's frustrated and kind of yelling at players and you know getting players motivated to play when they're not playing up to his standard. As a Virginia Tech fan, would you say the overall fan base doesn't like Carolina football and doesn't like um, our program over here, or is it more of just a select few? Because from the outside looking in, I don't really consider – UNC and Virginia Tech a big rivalry. Obviously, we're in the Coastal Division, but I will say over the past five to ten years, when we play you guys, it's an emotional game for both teams. And you know whether it's at Lane Stadium or at Keenan Stadium, it's usually a packed place. So obviously, we've lost three in a row to you guys. So you guys have certainly dominated us in that aspect over the past few years. But would you say overall as a fan base, you guys kind of share that same opinion on Carolina maybe as Coach Fuente does? Yeah, I mean, it's not the fact that we dislike y'all. It's just we have so many similarities, you know. Um, We share recruiting grounds. Chapel Hill is closer, and Chapel Hill and Raleigh and Durham and Greensboro as well are closer than Virginia Beach. So we naturally are going to start recruiting down here, and I'm glad we have because North Carolina is full of talent. But I think it's just we're just so alike. Two pretty good football programs. And besides last year, you know, you guys had 20-plus injuries, and we beat y'all pretty good. But take take out that, and for the most part, our we are pretty close rivals. I mean, we normally play a good game. Um, emotions are high. A lot of players on our team now are from North Carolina. And you guys have a fair share of Richmond prospects and Virginia Beach prospects as well. So I think uh, not only through the co- through the coaching that they naturally just butt heads a little bit. It's also deep within the roster. You know that they grew up playing high school ball together, and now they're at different schools and stuff like that. So it's good though. It's not a bad thing. You know, it always comes out to a good game from a fan's perspective. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I know speaking from a Carolina fan's perspective, it really ever noticed uh, any hostility towards Virginia Tech, and obviously, if you covered Carolina and have a, a good knowledge about Carolina football recruiting, you know that, like you said, these two teams and these two programs battle it out every year to get recruits. Virginia Tech, you know, some years ends up with a better recruiting class than Carolina, and, you know, in some years Carolina, vice versa, they end up with a better recruiting class than Virginia Tech. I know you guys have stole a few guys from us. Dax Holyfield, who I thought played a really good game against Carolina, he's one of my favorite players to watch. Had a lot of impact on that game, and he's a high-energy guy and a guy really – from Hillsborough area, a guy that's really close to home for Chapel Hill, a guy we thought we would have in the bag last season, but you know, after such a disappointing season, he went and committed to Virginia Tech and to play for Bud Foster and his defense, and can't really blame him for that, but that was a big prospect that I was disappointed to lose, so like I said, I don't really notice too much hostility from Carolina fans, at least the ones that I know, but 
I wouldn't say it's a hatred of, of Virginia Tech, and I wouldn't say that Virginia Tech hates Carolina either. I think it's more of a, like you said, it's a, it's a recruiting rivalry, and the bigger fan you are of, of Carolina athletics and Carolina football, the more you can kind of understand if you really dive deep into the recruiting battle that you guys have. But let's switch the focus real quick to UNC and the offensive side of the ball, mainly focusing right now on the quarterbacks. Obviously, Cade Fortin got the start. We kind of learned a little bit before the game that he was going to get the start. It was interesting because we were down about on field level before the game, and Nathan Elliott was running with uh, J.J. McCargo, who's a starting center for North Carolina. So everybody kind of assumed that Fortin was going to maybe get some reps at some point, but Elliott was going to start, and then, you know, lo and behold, the first drive, Carolina comes out, and Cade Fortin's back there for Carolina. How do you think Cade Fortin played um, as a true freshman coming in, obviously ended up 10 for 18, 97 yards, and then went out with an injury? Most people right now saying it's a knee injury, potentially a torn ACL. Certainly we don't want that. He actually missed all of his uh, senior season in high school with a broken leg. So a guy that has had his fair share of injuries over the past couple years. But overall, Mead, what did you think about Cade Fortin's first game as a Tar Heel? He saw a little bit of action against ECU, but in his first start, how do you think he fared? I thought he did great. I thought he brought another dimension to your team. Um, I'm looking at the stats right now, and he rushed for uh, six yard or six carries for 44 yards, and his long was 40. So I mean, he can definitely break it open, um, which was nice to see. I mean, you guys, your offense thrived with Marquise Williams, and I think you kind of need that. I don't really think that Nathan Elliott uh, brings that aspect to your team. Um, he seems more of like a possession quarterback, you know, making short throws. Um, stuff like that really doesn't have a big arm, but um, I thought Cade Fortin did really well despite his injury, and that's another thing I wanted to touch on as well. His injuries, um, you know, being quarterback in the ACC, you have to be pretty durable. Like uh, Dungy from Syracuse, I mean that dude takes lick after lick. His O line is not good, um, and he he still plays. You know, he's a he's a durable guy, and I think you need to have that. Josh Jackson, he was pretty durable last year. Um, it, it, it got to him though, because he broke his ankle this year. Um, so I truly think that that's a key part of that. Now he needs to get healthy. Um, I think he needs to take his time with it. Um, I think Nathan Elliott can hold the job. Um, I think he'll do fine. Um, and I know Tar Heel Nation, you guys don't like that too much, but I mean, he was 11 for 15 for 147 yards and, uh, one touchdown, uh, against us. Now our secondary is not too great, but, um, he definitely came to play, and I think that him sitting on the bench and losing the job to Cade Fortin, um, you know, that was kind of an eye-opener to him that he lost his job there. Yeah, one of the biggest things that I took away, and you know, I was, I was really proud of how Nathan Elliott kind of handled that situation. He was actually booed. I know you remember that a little bit when he came in the game. I think it was a little bit of a, a misunderstanding for some Carolina fans. I think more than anything, it wasn't that Carolina fans were disappointed to see Elliott play. I know some are, but I think a, a big part of the fan base understands that he is a, a solid quarterback and one of our best options back there, especially with the fact that Chaz Surratt is now at for the, out for the year with a, a wrist injury. But you know, he was booed a little bit um, because, you know, Cade Fortin was on a roll and, you know, we get into the red zone, they put Elliott in and um, obviously on his first uh, snap of the game, wasn't his fault, but the, the center, you know, gave him a horrible snap to handle and it ended up being a fumble. Thank God we got it back. But, I was really proud of how Nathan Elliott handled that. You know, when Cade Fort went out injured, after getting benched, I, I, I think we've all had that experience. Anybody that's played sports, for the most part, has had to deal with, you know, things not going their way. And 
it's really easy to put your head down and, and get frustrated and, and kind of turn against your coaching staff. But Nathan Elliott didn't do that. And when Fortin went out injured, I thought Nathan Elliott stepped in really well. 11 of 15, 147 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. So I thought Elliott did a really good job when he came in, made one of the best passes of the season, in my opinion. Really two of the best passes of the season for him was, you know, that touchdown pass to Anthony Ratliff-Williams. Obviously, there was another one in the game which he overthrew, which I know he'd love to have back, and that's a throw he makes nine times out of ten. But he also made that great pass, an elite pass, an elite-level quarterback pass to Carl Tucker down the middle. Well, he just zipped it in double coverage right to Tucker in stride, and he ended up taking that ball about 80 yards. So really impressed with how Nathan Elliott came in. And I said this on Twitter, I believe a few days ago. I said, if Nathan Elliott can complete those throws – at that level consistently, he's a whole nother level of quarterback. He's an elite quarterback, in my opinion, because he showed in that game that he has the arm strength and the accuracy at times to throw some really, really good balls. But overall, if I had to grade Elliott's performance of how he came in, I'd probably give him an 8 out of 10. And without Fortin played, I'd probably give him a similar score with a probably an 8 out of 10 as well, because I think he did some really nice things, especially as a true freshman. But me, what were your impressions on, um, I know we're talking a lot about Carolina right now, but you know, you're a huge college football fan. You watch Carolina a lot with me, so you have a, a really good understanding and knowledge of, of our team. How impressed were you with Michael Carter? Because he had such a great game, 18 carries, 165 yards. His longest was a 49-yard run. Obviously a disappointing fumble that really ch- changed the tide of the game on the goal line and led to y'all's 98-yard drive. I, I know he'd like to have that one back. And listening to his post-game interview, you know, somebody asked him, you know, how would you rate your game based on that? And he was like, you know, I fumbled the ball. I played good, but it would be selfish of me to come out and, and, and really talk about myself because, you know, more than anything, I fumbled the ball in a key situation. And as a running back, I can't do that. So how, how impressed were you with Michael Carter? Because in my opinion, I don't know if you agree, I think he's one of the best running backs in the ACC. And I think we really saw that uh, against Virginia Tech, especially with how good y'all's run defense usually is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Michael Carter played fantastic. Um he, he truly proved that he is an every-down back. I mean, he can catch out of the backfield. He's very tough on the ball. He does not like to go down. Um, he just proved – he just showed tough, toughness and, and resiliency. He didn't get hurt. That fumble really hurts his performance on the game. But, I mean, just take that out of the game. And, I mean, the kid rushed on 18 carries, 165 yards. And that says something, especially since we – like Bud Foster likes to stack the box. I mean – Either the O-line was on par or Michael Carter just had a, a great game. I mean, he showed he could catch screens. He showed that he could run it on third downs. He could run it on first downs. It didn't matter the situation. You got the ball in Michael Carter's hands that game, and he was doing something. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think Michael Carter played a great game. I was really impressed with this performance, and he's a leader on this team. I was really impressed. We watched that interview together, actually, of him after the game, and I was really impressed with how he handled that, you know, coming out and really not taking any credit for how he played, even though, you know, yesterday he was voted the ACC Offensive Player of the Week. So obviously had a great game, but I know he would like to have that fumble back. But give credit to Virginia Tech. I'm not sure what player it was for you guys defensively that made that hit, but like Carter said in the interview, he said, hey, the guy in football that usually goes low wins, and, you know, your Virginia Tech defender put that helmet right on the ball and great fumble by, you know, fumble by him and, and a great, great tackle. So, Really impressed with how Carter played, and you know, besides that fumble, had an exceptional game. One of his best games as a Tar Heel. Focus on the receiving core real quick. Uh, Virginia Beach guy Daz Newsom. I know you're really fond of, of Daz Newsom. You like the way he plays. 
He ended up with five receptions for 53 yards, second leading receiver on the team. Carl Tucker, obviously the tight end for North Carolina, two receptions for 123, so an 80-yard 80, an 80, uh, uh, reception as well for, for Tucker. So how impressed were you with Daz Newsome? I know he's a guy you like watching meet even as a Virginia Tech fan, but I thought he did a really good job in that game of besides a couple deep passes that he wish he would have had back that he could have caught that could have completely changed the tide of the game. I thought Daz Newsome was our most – consistent receiver um, by far in that game and he really did some nice things because when he gets the ball when he's in open space he just tends to make things happen he's so quick he's so fast he's a little he's a tricky player and obviously had a really nice punt return as well for Carolina where he basically got hit as soon as he caught it and ended up shaking it off and running for about 30 yards so um, Mead how impressed were you with with Daz Newsome Um, I know your secondary is a little bit young but I, I still think he had a really good game yeah, I was super impressed with him. Um, I've I've followed him like I pay attention to recruiting and everything like that, and the recruiting hype around him was tremendous. His brother actually went to Tech, and we consider ourselves uh, the brother U. So we've had like twenty seven sets of brothers come through Tech since like nineteen ninety, um, which is crazy. Um, but seeing him actually come out and show out was amazing. He kind of has like a little Ryan Switzer ish ish to him. Um, he does a great job with the ball in his hands, um, and he's lethal at, at punt returner. I mean, everybody, the people around us was like, why was Virginia Tech's punter like hitting those rugby punts and stuff like that? And it's because we didn't want to kick it to him. We, we were terrified of him. Um, and he, he's just lethal all the way around. I think he should get thrown to 10-plus times every game because he's going to shake everybody on the team. Yeah, I, I- – Really liked the way Daz Newsom played. Obviously, his stat line this year hasn't really, you know, showed how how versatile and how good he is in open space. He hasn't really put up huge numbers. I know he had a really good game against Pittsburgh, but Virginia Tech, in my opinion, was his best game because you saw the different things he can do with the ball. And obviously, a Virginia Beach product. He, he's a funny guy to to listen to in interviews. He's a he's an exciting player, and he's a guy that you can tell just loves playing football. And I like that comparison to Ron Switzer. I think. The way he makes those little cuts, those little jab cuts with his feet, and the way he kind of moves and the speed he has in open space really does remind me of Switzer. Obviously, Switzer, you know, at this point in his career, had a lot better career than Newsom's had so far, but Daz has done a really good job, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he continues to do. He's only a sophomore. He's a really young Carolina team, and I'm excited to see how he continues to grow over, over the next couple of seasons as a Tar Heel, but... Moving along, Mead, let's real quick, I want to do a little segment for the last 10, 15 minutes or so where we kind of preview um, and give a little end of the season prediction for Virginia Tech and North Carolina going into the, you know, we're about halfway through the season right now. Obviously, Carolina, I guess, and ECU both canceled their games, so I'm assuming there'll be makeup games rescheduled uh, for some point uh, for you both of our programs. So let's switch our focus, do a little end of the season preview, first starting with North Carolina. Obviously, it's a North Carolina podcast, so. Let's start with the Tar Heels. This weekend, going up to Syracuse, a, a solid team in Syracuse, a team that you know demolished Florida State a couple weeks ago at home up there. Obviously, Florida State a little bit down, but uh, they showed out well against Miami a couple weeks ago. So, Syracuse going up there, 12-20 game in the Carrier Dome, a good place to play. I'm, Syracuse was also close to knocking off Clemson at home. Obviously, uh, Trevor Lawrence went out with the injury and that kind of setback. Clemson a little bit. They ended up doing enough to get that victory, but Syracuse had a really good shot at winning that game as well. I'm excited to see how Carolina plays this weekend. I think they played their best game of the season, like I've said before, this past weekend against Virginia Tech. 
And I think if they can get over this loss and really focus on the positive the positives of the game that they'll see on tape, that they've got a great opportunity to go up and, and beat a good Syracuse team that, for the most part, has impressed me. They're not great, but I think they are one of the better teams, at least so far, in the ACC this season. What is your prediction me going up there? If I had to give a prediction right now, I think Carolina is going to go up there, is not going to let up a lot of points. I don't think we're going to score a ton of points either. If I had to give a score prediction right now, I'm thinking 27-21 right now to the Tar Heels. Low-scoring game for the most part, especially with how talented both of these offensives can be on the Syracuse side and the North Carolina side. If you had to give a prediction for that game, Mead, how do you think Carolina is going to go up there and play? Do you think they play in a similar way that they did against Virginia Tech? Or do you think they revert to their old ways and and maybe play like they did down in Miami a couple weeks ago, which was just pathetic from a a Carolina fan standpoint? I think you guys will do rather well. Um, The trick Syracuse is a tricky team. They run like ninety offensive plays a game. It's it's crazy how fast they move. So I think the key to the game for you guys is for your offense to find success, running the ball and passing the ball. I think you guys need to have long drives and keep the Syracuse defense on the field and the Syracuse offense off the field. Um, I think that is really key for you guys. Um, The Syracuse offense does kind of scare me just because they run so many plays. Like, I mean, your defense can get caught up in that so easily, and substitutions are hard to come by um, because they move at such a fast pace. Now that your secondary is healthy as well, I think you need to keep uh, the Syracuse wide receivers in front of you and just uh, keep the catastrophic play away. You know, you, you can't have that against the Syracuse offense. They're just too vertical. Um, so just keep the wide receivers in front of you and limit their offensive possessions, and I think you guys can come out with the win. Um, if you guys do that, and barring injury and stuff like that, um, I think that you guys will come out with a similar score with what your prediction is. Uh, I think it will be 27-24, you guys. Yeah, I, I like that prediction coming from you, Mead. And I was thinking you might come on here and slate us a little bit and say, you know, 49 nothing loss for, to Syracuse. But, you know, a level-headed fan like you can understand how this Tar Heel team is in the right direction. And if they can continue to keep playing like they have been playing, especially against Virginia Tech and against Pittsburgh, where I thought they played decently, um, this team has a good opportunity to turn this season around. And you never know what happens. I got to touch on... The, the remaining games besides that, we're not going to touch on all of them. We're going to touch on one that I'm going to pick out in a second, but I'm just going to run through the schedule real quick. Uh, the following weekend, Saturday game, 12, another 12-20 game for the Tar Heels, going up to Charlottesville, and then got Georgia Tech the, the following weekend, at Duke the following weekend, and then ending the season at home against Western Carolina and to NC State, who's having a, a really solid season so far. I'm interested to see what their record is. Um, at the last game of the season, but Mead, I gotta ask you about this one. The the uh, the who's up in Charlottesville? Obviously, the rivals for y'all. Not really a rivalry because you beat them like 15 times in a row. But Virginia getting a, a good victory at home against a, a surprise victory at home, I should say, against a Miami team that was ranked in the top 20. What were your thoughts, or what are your thoughts on the chances of of Carolina going up and and beating uh, the Cavaliers in Charlottesville? It used to be a huge rivalry between the two programs it's kind of died off over the past few years because of you know the trajectory that Virginia's gone in as a program this is you know probably their best season they've had in a long time and they're still not doing spectacular played a good game against State a couple weeks ago and sitting at four and two and Virginia right now 76 percent favorites to win that game obviously a lot of that has to do with the records of both teams UVA sitting at four and two and Carolina sitting at one and four so we'll see what happens 
when we go up to Charlottesville and play that game. But, I mean, I got to get your thoughts as a Virginia Tech fan. What, how do you feel about the Virginia team? Do you think this is that victory against Miami was kind of a fluke? Because when I watched them against State, I was not impressed at all. I thought their quarterback did a good job. But even looking at his stats against Miami, he didn't really play that well. So what are your thoughts on, on that Virginia program? Because y'all have just completely dominated them over the past few seasons. And we've we've talked about it a lot before. It's not even really a rivalry anymore when it when it comes to, to football. It's almost turning into a basketball rivalry more than anything now. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to keep it pretty short and simple, but beat them. I, you know, it's UVA. You guys, I think, definitely have the upper hand there. Um, Bronco Mendenhall came out at the ACC opener this year and said that they had 21 D1 players. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of – that at the beginning coming from the coach, that's kind of a slap in the face to his players, but I guess they need it. Um, it's, they need to show out and they need players to step up. But, um, I mean, I'm, their quarterback is, is not that great passing. He can run. He, he's a complete athlete. He's basically a running back that play. They basically play in the Wildcat. He, he's a complete athlete, but he can't throw. He has 11 touchdowns and seven interceptions. He's 99 for 158. Um, he's, I mean, that's like 50%. He, he's not that good. You just have to watch their rush. And if you guys play, if you guys stop the rush like you stopped it at Tech, I know we're not like a prolific rushing offense under the Fuente system, but, I mean, you guys should shut them down. I don't buy into UVA at all. So, I mean, looking at the remaining schedule for North Carolina, Barring a, another rescheduled game, which you would hope and I expect Carolina's athletic program to get scheduled in the next few weeks, Carolina at, at the minimum is going to have six games remaining, including that Syracuse game this weekend. And you would expect them to have seven games um, and another home game when they, not sure who they're going to reschedule with, but you would expect this, like I said, this football program to schedule somebody. NC State's already done it. A lot of other teams that uh, had to cancel because of Hurricane Florence have done it. So, Mead, obviously you predicted. Uh, a win over Syracuse. Are you, are you saying a, a win over Virginia as well? Yes, absolutely. Okay, win over Virginia. So that's two and zero the next two weeks. Georgia Tech at home. Then we got go to Durham. And then Western Carolina at home. And then State at home. How do you expect us to finish those last four games of the season against some good ACC opponents? Duke having a good year this year. State having a great year so far. Undefeated right now. Georgia Tech up and down. Not great. I'm still kind of conflicted between those that that game because I hate Georgia Tech and the way they play. I know you hate Georgia Tech and the way they play as well. I don't know if anybody in the country besides Georgia Tech fans actually like watching Georgia Tech football, but that's a whole other podcast in itself. How do you think Carolina plays uh, in those last four games and you know, hopefully get another game scheduled? But looking at the schedule right now that we have in front of us, how do you think they end up um, against Georgia Tech, Duke, Western Carolina, and State? I really think you guys ride a little wave here. Um, I think you guys go up there and get a, a big win at Syracuse. I think it's going to be a tough win. Um, and then you guys get a tough win at UVA. I may be biased in my UVA prediction, but, y- you know, it, it's just UVA. I think you guys got them. Um, and I, it, the Georgia Tech always scares me. Um, they always play Tech well, and I know they play y'all well. Um, and it's just an unorthodox offense. It's just weird. Um, kind of high school, if you ask me. But, you know, I think you guys will ride this wave, and I think you'll win uh, at home against Georgia Tech, especially with two away wins, in my prediction. Um, but then I think you guys kind of fall off at the end of the year. Um, it's at Duke. Duke's decent, um, but I think the emotions of that game being a big rivalry at Duke, uh, it's, it's going to be a packed house there. Um, that's hard to do at Duke, but I think it'll be packed. I think you guys might lose there. Um, Western 
Carolina, you guys will win that one. And then you guys got State to seal the envelope there. Um, but I think State might come away with that win as well. So looks like you're saying in the last six games about three uh, – excuse me, four and two. Is that what you're going with me? Yeah. That's a, that's a good prediction. I, I, would be real, I would be pretty happy with that. If we can get another game scheduled, we'd have a good chance to go into a bowl game. That would sit us at, what, five and six before that last scheduled game. If we can end up six and six – Based on how this year started, based on some of the suspensions we've had, and as well as some of the injuries we've had on the defensive side of the ball, and the quarterback problems as well, I think that'll be a good a good season in the long run for North Carolina. So if I had to give my prediction, I kind of agree with you there. I'm going to go with four and two. I think pretty much whatever you said, Syracuse, I think will come out on top. I think at UVA will come out on top. I really don't think they're that good of a team. I think that that my win over Miami was good. But I really don't think Miami's that talented. This, I mean, they are talented this year, but I don't think they're as good as, as some people think they are. Georgia Tech is always tricky based on the way they play that offense. I think we'll come out on top there. And then I'm a little torn between the last three games. Obviously, I, I, very, I hope we beat Western Carolina. I'm pretty confident in that one. But at Duke, I'm going to go ahead and predict a loss in that one just based on how we played against them in the past few seasons, especially in Durham. We we beat them a few years ago, but for the most part, we really struggled to get a victory there. And Duke is a good team. And now that they have their quarterback back uh, healthy, who actually came back against you guys a couple weeks ago. I don't know how somebody breaks their collarbone and comes back in like three weeks, but he did it. Credit to him. I think we're going to lose to Duke, and I agree with you. That state game is a toss-up for me right now because I'm not too convinced on this state team either. They're currently sitting undefeated 5-0, and but four of those games have been at home. So they've had a ton of home games. They're going to have to go on the road. They also had that West Virginia game canceled, which would have been in Raleigh as well. So if you think about it, Mead, five of their first six games that they originally had scheduled were supposed to be in Raleigh. So that's amazing. Credit to their scheduling. Whoever scheduled uh, their games, their athletic director or whatever, he did a great job. But they got a big game against Clemson coming up this weekend at Clemson. I think they're going to lose that one. So I'm interested to see how this team ends up, NC State. But looking at their schedule, it's pretty favorable for them. State's really only got two tough games left, I would say, um, against FSU and, and at Clemson. I think they also go up to Syracuse as well, which could be a little bit tougher than that's a toss-up game for me right now. But if State's, you know, going into that last game of the year for us, or maybe our last game of the year, should be another one rescheduled, like I've said. If they, you know, got one loss on the year, two losses on the year, then I'm really worried about that one. But the thing with State is they haven't been really tested at home even. And they the only away game they played is at Marshall, so I'm still up in the air about how really how good they are, really. But if State comes into that Carolina game with one loss, two losses, then I'm worried. But if they slip up three, four times and over the next six or so games going into that Carolina game, then maybe my opinion changes on that. But right now, I agree with you 100%. Meet, I think Carolina is going to end up about five and six, and barring a rescheduled game. I think we've got a good shot at getting a bowl game, and hopefully we don't try to reschedule with UCF because, I mean, what do they want, like 19 straight now? So I think that one's off the cards, but I agree with what you said. I hate to agree with you and not argue with you a little bit, but I can't really disagree with your picks. I think they're logical picks and something that the Carolina fan base would agree with a lot. I, don't, I know you don't want to hear us predicting that we're going to lose to State and Duke, but uh, the way we've played against them the past few years and how talented they are this season, I think it's going to be tough to get victories over over them. and. I know some more heat will be put on Larry Fedora, even if we end up 6-6, six and six, just because we lose to Duke and State. Carolina fans obviously don't like that. But, me, let's switch focuses one more time. Let's touch on Virginia Tech's remaining schedule real quick. Obviously, your Hokies got a bye week coming up uh, this weekend. Not planned again until October 25th, a Thursday night game in Blattsburg, 7.30 p.m. against 
the rambling wreck at Georgia Tech Mead. Let's touch on that game real quick, and then we'll talk about the rest of the uh, of the season for you guys going into the, the closing games. I know you hate Georgia Tech probably more than I hate Georgia Tech, but what are your chances? I know initially you were a little bit worried about that one. I know you said Fuente was, what, 0-3 against them this uh, in his career at Virginia Tech, so he should be looking to get a win, and he needs to get a win over Georgia Tech, and I think if there's a year to do it, it's got to be this year. So obviously uh, got a lot of things going for you guys, you know, a good win over UNC going into that game, get a bye week before Georgia Tech, get two weeks to prepare for how they play in that that high school offense, like you called it. I like, I like I like that term right there. I'm sure Paul Johnson doesn't like us saying that, but you know I'm sure he doesn't listen to this podcast either. So what's your thoughts on that on that Thursday night game in Lane Stadium? This is, obviously, Georgia Tech's a, a down team this year, but the way they play, they can beat anybody at any time. You just never know with them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a much-needed bye week to uh, kind of let this hangover cure itself um, after an emotional win at UNC. So I think we're going to come out primed and ready against Georgia Tech. Uh, like I said, we're like 0-3 against uh, Georgia Tech um, under the Fuente era, which is, in my mind, ridiculous. Um, we should beat them every year, especially with the offense they run. I mean, high school teams figure that out. I don't know why we can't. But I, th- I think we're going to come out with the win there. It's going to be a very emotional game on th- late primetime Thursday night. Lane Stadium will be jumping. There will probably be some uh, – some marks on the seismograph there. Uh, it might be a small earthquake. It'll be it'll be crazy. It's always a good game. Tech versus Tech. I think that'll be a great one. And after that, we have Boston College um, at home. I think Boston College, I'm not quite sold on them. A.J. Dillon's always uh, a threat. He rushed for like 1,700 yards last year. Anyways, like 250 pounds. The dude's a, he's a beast. So I think, I think we'll get that game too. Um, the only game that scares me on the schedule is at Pittsburgh. For some reason, Virginia Tech does not play well in NFL stadiums, or the Carrier Dome, for that matter. Um, we do not play well in NFL stadiums. Um, this will be at Heinz Field. Pittsburgh, they're a big team. They like to play physical. Uh, they play a, a very similar style to us. They run the ball a lot more, but defensive-wise, they do. I think that'll be an emotional game. If we come out with a win there, I will be thumbs-up happy. That'll be awesome. And then we have Miami at home and then UVA at home as well. With Miami using, losing to UVA, um, that kind of raises some flags in my mind about Miami. Um, hopefully our coaching staff will, will pick up on some of their weaknesses that they struggled with against UVA. Um, so my prediction is we'll come out with the win there. We lost in a big-time emotional game at Miami last year, so I think it's time for a little payback. Um, to win the Coastal there. And then we'll cap it off with UVA, and uh, let's go 15 straight. I mean, I was about to ask you about that UVA game. You say in 15 straight. Are you sure this isn't the year that UVA breaks that streak and, and gets that victory? And I know it's up at Lane Stadium, but, hey, I mean, this UVA team, not bad this year. They they did a really good job against a, a I mean, granted, a bad Louisville team that got that victory, beat Miami at home, who – Kick Carolina's butt on Thursday night. So, are you sure? Are you positive me this isn't the year that 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 streak ends and, and Virginia gets that victory? Absolutely not. Absolutely not at all. UVA, they, I'm not sold on them at all. I think their win over Miami was kind of a fluke. I think it was a mixture of things. They were at home. Maybe Miami suffers from the running quarterback thing um, that we do as well. Running quarterbacks scare me in Bud Foster's offense. We've never been able to fix it. 
Their quarterback is uh, he is a running quarterback. He's like a Lamar Jackson that can't throw. Essentially, he 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 can run all over the place. He's hurdling people left and right. But uh, hopefully, Bud Foster will be on his on his a game, and we'll we'll just shut him down. We'll shut the run down and make him throw. He's like a fifty five percent passer. I think I was generous there. He's thrown seven interceptions and 11 touchdowns. So hopefully our secondary caps off the regular season with a few picks and shuts down the run game there. Yeah, I mean, I like your prediction for the the final few games for Virginia Tech. I'm going to just play devil's advocate a little bit right here. I'm going to say you guys finished four and two. And my prediction is I agree with everything you said. I think you you lose to Pitt up in Pitt. And then I think you come back home and lose to Miami. I think this Miami team might turn it around and figure some things out. The only reason I'm saying that is because – I think that Nkozi Perry is a really good quarterback, and the way I've seen you guys secondary play this year, I think he, potentially he could throw all over you. I'm not sure what happened in the UVA game where you know they ended up scoring 13 points, so I don't know what that was about. I think that was a fluke for Miami, and I think that loss might rejuvenate them, and, and you know Mark Rick's going to coach him up and get him right. So I'm going to say 4-2. and two. I'm going to say you guys lose two in a row, um, back-to-back at Pittsburgh and then Miami, and then you come home and, and whoop up on the on, on uh, the Who's in in Lane Stadium. So good prediction from both of us there. I'm anxious to see how it how it pans out and how it ends up. But me, real quick, just want to get your final thoughts, final closing remarks on this past Saturday at Keenan Stadium. Um, anything else you want to say about it? And, and just give me your final thoughts on on the atmosphere and and how the game turned out. Yeah, I mean, first it was electrifying. Thank you for the ticket, by the way. That was a great time. Anytime. We had some fun on Franklin Street, and then we went to the game. It, it was electrifying. Besides, uh, my my boys at Virginia Tech, the the offense was absolutely atrocious, except for that 98-yard drive. Um, but it, it was an ACC game. That was a dogfight to the end, and that's what we're going to get from now on. We're in the thick of it here in the ACC. So um, we're going to see how each team plays out this year. And uh, best of luck to both teams, and thank you for having me on, man. Yeah, it was definitely me. I, I, I enjoyed it, and I got one more point for you. I just remembered this coming out of the stadium, uh, coming out of Keene Stadium Saturday night. Obviously, you, you would have thought y'all lost, and you would have thought both teams lost the way you were reacting to it. But one thing we talked about during the game and after the game was how ugly this game was as a fo- just as a football game. Real quick, before we end it, give me your thoughts on, really, I mean, it just wasn't a pretty football game to watch. If you're a neutral fan watching this game, I mean, it was a close one. It was entertaining for sure, but, I mean, this game could have been so high scoring if Carolina scored, could have capitalized on a few plays and could have been a lot different if, if Virginia Tech could have done some more things on offense like we're used to seeing. So, real quick, touch on how ugly this game was because I agree with, with, with what we were saying uh, on Saturday night. We were just so fed up and kind of confused at how weird of a game this turned out to be. Yeah, it was it was really weird. It was super ugly to watch. I mean, Carolina had their fair share of misses, Anthony Ratliff-Williams in the end zone, that should have been a touchdown. Uh, Daz Newsom, he dropped that long ball. There were a few touchdown-saving tackles. It, it, was a, it was a real ugly game on, on, on both sides. Carolina, I think, looked way sharper than Tech did. Um, at least the Carolina offense did. They were humming at times. Um, and Virginia Tech, we just stalled. Our defense, though, we we did a good job of keeping you guys out of the end zone, and that's what, that's what matters at the end. We forced field goals, and... Let's be honest, as, as a defense, that's kind of a win. Um, but it was an ugly game. Um, riding the emotions of the game, I was not. I didn't have a smile on my face at the end of the game. I wanted us to come in there and establish our dominance, but that, that was not the case. We actually got dominated and still came out with the win somehow, um, which is crazy. Um, 
but it, you know it is ACC ball, and um, you know you got to fight to the end. This was going to be a fight to the very last second of the game, and it was. Last point: Are you Larry Fedora in, or are you Larry Fedora out, Mead? Ooh, that's a tough one. You put me on the spot. Um, Had to. It depends on how the the year wraps up. If you guys finish six and six, if you guys finish five hundred, I'd say keep keep Fedora and clean house. But if it's anything but that, um, I think he's got to go. Yeah, I I agree with you, Mead. I I think if Carolina can somehow get to a bowl game, then got to keep him. But regardless of how the season ends. I think it's either you clean house after maybe a six and six, maybe even a seven and six. If we can win that bowl game season, you got to clean house. You got to get rid of some of the coordinators, unless this team just completely turns it around and goes undefeated the rest of the year. You got to make a change. But I agree with you, Meet. If Carolina ends up with two, three, four wins on the year, maybe even five, then I think it's time we look elsewhere and maybe move on with the program. But that's gonna do it again for another episode of the Carolina Talk podcast. Appreciate you coming on today, Mead. Enjoyed it. Going to have to get you on again soon. You know, you're really knowledgeable about college sports, not only Virginia Tech. You're a level-headed fan. You don't, you're not, you know, you're a diehard BT fan. Don't make, make no mistakes about it, but you're not on here talking nonsense about Carolina and about the Hokies. So, appreciate you coming on today, Mead. Um, great, great. Uh, this is your first podcast ever, isn't it, Mead? Your first podcast ever doing? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks you for did, having me. Yeah, you did a good job, man. And looking forward to it. We'll be back again. Maybe get another one in this week. Definitely we'll be back next week talking about the Syracuse game. We'll have most definitely, now that I think about it, we'll have a Syracuse preview coming up later in the week. And uh, as always, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.